Mark told me I should start off with a joke. <laughs> but I told him I can't. <laughs> so I'm going to dive right in. <laughs> this week, in the 40 Days of Prayer series, we'll be learning how to pray effectively. As I sought the Lord this week, he wanted me to share three truths. So the first truth is that God is a multidimensional God. The most important thing about prayer is not learning how to pray, but learning who God is. The more you understand God, the more effective and satisfying your prayer life will be. So we can learn about God through nature. In Romans 1.20, it says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. One of my favorite parts of God's creation is the sky. Mark loves the mountain ranges, but the vastness and beauty of the sky awes me. Sometimes on my way to work, I'll just be driving and see the sky, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, Janelle. <laughs> Janelle rides with me, and I'll go, oh, it's so beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for the creation of the sky. God is our creator, and all around us, especially in Hawaii, we see the beauty and amazing things he created, the vast ocean, the beautiful rainbows, the beautiful flowers. Everywhere in nature, we see God's power, creativity, and intelligence. Personally to me, as I was writing this down, I thought, you know what an awesome thing about God's creation is too? Is that he created it just for us because he put us in here to live. He created it for us to enjoy. And it shows what a great love God has for us. One of the most significant experiences I've had with nature was giving birth to my children. I have three children. Scientifically, we know that conception starts when two separate single cells merge. It's an amazing thing that after nine months, the whole baby comes out with tiny fingers and tiny toes. When, um, when I was pregnant, I knew that. So here, you know, you're like wondering what's going on inside of you. Two cells merge, and so I started praying, Oh, Lord, bless the baby's development. And um, when the baby came out, to see the, tiny, to, to see the whole child, is, my first response is, what a miracle. I was filled with relief and wonder, you know. God is an amazing creator. And again, as I was writing, um, preparing this, and I was writing this, I was thinking, wow, God is a creator, and he allows us to participate in creation of new life, too, through childbirth. Isn't that amazing? It just shows the love of God for us. There's a passage in Job where we can read and see how much of what God did, um, what he did when he created the world. Job was complaining about the difficulties in his life. And in this passage, God answers his complaints. Starting with Job 38, it says, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations, and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, 
For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no further will you come. Here, your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. As you can imagine, Job was speechless, humbled, probably terrified. From this passage, passage in Job 38, God goes on through chapter 42, describing further things in creation that we know nothing about. I would encourage you to read the passages for yourself. There are realms and dimensions in this life where we are clueless, also powerless. God alone can handle it. He is all-powerful. He is a God to be feared. Today, we as people tend to have an arrogance toward God that is not good. What we think and what we want is the most important thing to us, and that ends up hurting our relationship with God as well as others around us. The first point to remember in praying effectively, God is creator of the universe. There is no one more powerful than him. Let's take time daily to stop and enjoy the creation he's made for us to enjoy, giving thanks to him for the beauty he created for us. The second truth is God loves us. God loves you. Have you heard of the grace of God? All of us are living it. Although many live self-centered lives that separate us from the love of God and that leads to death and destruction, God still loves us dearly. Although he is the most powerful and wise one, beyond our understanding, he loves us so much that God the Father sent Jesus to come to earth as a human, born of a virgin, for the purpose of dying for our sins to save us. So great is God's love for us. Jesus died so we can be forgiven of our sins and reconciled to God. He loves us unconditionally. His hand is outstretched to us. And now we are required to respond. Joel 2.12 says, That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there's time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief. Tear your heart instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love. He's eager to relent and not punish. God wants to have a close relationship with you and me. He wants us to be free from all the destructive powers of darkness in our lives. But the ball is in our courts. We have to make that choice to turn to God and turn away from the world. 1 John 1.9 says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. God loves us so much, but because he is light, we must walk in the light also with him to have fellowship with him. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. God is reaching out to us in love, he sent Jesus to die for the forgiveness of our sins. He sends the Holy Spirit 
to lead and empower those who receive him. His hand is extended to you and me. All who receive him and walk in the light with him will be blessed. We need to respond by opening our hearts to him. In Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? In verse 37, he replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mark and I recently visited our daughter in LA. Um, we visited her church, and the pastor, her pastor was talking about the same passage. He said, God commands us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God is not some needy guy who wants our love. The reason he commands this is because he knows it's us who need him. We need him. As I look back in my life, I realize that it's impossible to follow Jesus if I didn't love him. For he calls us to die to ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow him. Even after we pray to receive Jesus, it's a daily choice to live for him. We need to walk in the light with him daily. The world constantly pulls us away from God, tempting us, filling us with wrong thinking, leading us to sin, leading us to be selfish, proud, or unforgiving. But God wants us to be filled with him, his love, his power, his peace, his joy, his strength. It's all good stuff. It only comes from God if we love him with all our hearts and walk with him in the light. Ephesians 3.18 states, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Who wants this? Wow, right? How do we get this? Turn away from the world in sin and walk with him in the light. We will experience this if we love God with all our hearts, soul, minds, and strength. The passage continues on with more. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's through God's power within you that you will accomplish more than you might ask or think. Do you see God's plan? When you turn to God and walk with him in the light, he fills you with his power and presence. When, and you'll accomplish more than you might pray or think for. Think of. It's God in us working through us. This happens when we turn from the world and say yes to him. Here's another great word from the Lord who loves you. 2 Corinthians 2.9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. This is an exciting promise for those who love and obey God. It's not always easy, but look what God has in store for us. Something we cannot even imagine. If you're not there yet, then turn to him today while there's time. Give him your heart. He has a plan for your life if you will let him lead you. Do you see that loving God is not just a feeling 
that you have because God is good to you? Loving God is walking with him, letting him lead you, trusting him with all your heart, giving him all your fears, giving him your life. It's picking up your cross and following him. If you do this, he will fill you with his love and power and presence. You just need to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. Pull me through. The first truth was our God is a powerful, awesome creator. The second truth was God loves you. The third truth is that we need to come to him with faith. Has anyone heard of Enoch? Yes? One person? He's Mark's hero. Mark often says he would like to go like Enoch. We read about Enoch in Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God looked for him. God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Faith is so important. Without it, we cannot please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let's say this together. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Enoch pleased God so much that he didn't have to die. He was just taken up to heaven. Isn't that amazing? Faith is believing in God, who he is, and his word. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus did many miracles. In Matthew 4, 24, it says, News spread about him as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick, and whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. And then in Mark 6, further down in the passage, he comes to his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, John, and Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. In verse 5 it says, And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any of the miracles among them except to place his hands on a few people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Just a, li- a few passages before, he was doing all the miracles, healing all kinds of sickness, diseases, casting out demons. Jesus even stilled a huge storm. He raised people from the dead. Isn't this amazing? That when he went to his hometown, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles. That's what the scripture says. Except lay hands on a few people and heal them. Faith is believing in God. Unbelief is not good. In this passage, we see an amazing thing. Jesus was amazed. We don't fully understand the dimensions outside of our own world, outside of what our eyes see, our ears hear. Outside of our own senses, we don't understand. But we learn from Scripture that where God is, we need to have faith. We need to have faith in him. We need to know that he's a God who loves us. So when we go to him in prayer, 
he will, he will bless us and answer us. That he will reward us when we seek him. As I prepared for this talk, I went to BibleGateway.com. BibleGateway.com, who, who here is familiar with Bible Day? I would like totally recommend you to check it out. You can search the Bible. You can find the passages in all different, um, uh, different translations. If you don't understand one, switch to another to get a better understanding of what the Bible is saying. Well, I just go there and I search. I typed in the keyword prayer. And um, I was just so encouraged because it pulled out all the scriptures of the different people who prayed and what God did as a result. We find Solomon, who because of his prayer became the wisest, richest, most honored king in Israel. We read about King Hezekiah, who was a godly king, but then he got sick. And then the prophet said he's going to die. And he was like so upset. He prayed and cried out to God, God, haven't I lived for you? And God heard his prayer and gave him 15 more years. In Chronicles, we read about King Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah at that time. And like three nations gathered together and surrounded him, wanting to over overthrow them. So Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord. And the prophet came, gave the word of the Lord to him. He said, do not fear or be dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but God's. They were supposed to, the Lord instructed them to go out and meet the enemy. So he required faith to meet this enemy that he knew was greater than, greater than his army. But the Lord had told him, do not fear. I am with you. The battle is mine. So they started out early the next morning, heading toward the enemy. And before they started, Jeho King Jehoshaphat had his people start worshiping. And the scripture says, as soon as they started worshiping and started moving toward the, their enemy, God started fighting for them. And the enemy started killing each other. By the time they got to the place where the enemy was, there was just corpses. Isn't that amazing? This is the God we pray to. The same God Jehoshaphat prayed to. But do you see? He had to step out in faith. He had to believe the word of God. He stepped out in faith, and then God moved. And they were able to not even fight. God did all the fighting for them. And so that passage just talks about how they just went out and took the plunder. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Now another story in Acts 12 talks about Peter. Peter was an apostle. He was sharing the good news because he was sharing the good news, not because he was a bad man. He got thrown into prison just for sharing the good news of Jesus. And the, the church gathered, and they were praying for him. And in this passage, it's really funny, because the angel came to Peter, unlocked his chains, escorted him out of prison. He ran to the house where his friends were, and they like, just couldn't believe God answered their prayer. God freed him, miraculously. The power of prayer, if you believe. This is our God. Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter. So I'd like to encourage you this week to go home and read Hebrews 11 because faith comes by hearing the word of God. When you hear stories like the ones I told you, doesn't that grow your faith? Yeah. So read chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 when you go home this week. Since about a year ago, the Lord has repeating to me this phrase. He's been saying, say to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea. I know this story. When I heard him in my prayer time, I was like, oh, I know this story. It's found in Matthew 21, 20. And it says, the disciples were amazed when they saw this. Jesus had done a miracle. The disciples were amazed when they saw this. How did the fig tree wither so quickly? Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. 
If you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. How many of you believe that? That's what will cause mountains to move. So the Lord's been telling me since last year, say to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea. I know he's telling me to pray for the impossible. He's telling me to pray in faith for things that are miraculous. God is almighty and limitless. He is high above others. He loves us dearly and sincerely. If we have faith, we can ask him for anything and we will receive it. This call to pray in faith is for all of us at KCF. Not just for me and the prayer team. It's for all who believe. When we pray in faith, we can move mountains. Jesus says this in John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Can you imagine doing greater works than Jesus? It's a bit, like, mind-boggling. But we can do it through prayer. Because if we ask anything, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, ask anything in my name, and I'll do it. Let's read this again. I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. The next passage tells us how to position ourselves in faith. This is in John 15, and we've gone through this before in other years, other um, campaigns, but I'm going to bring it up again. I think it's such a key passage. Jesus says from verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. There it is again, the same promise. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory. This brings great glory to the Father. Who is responsible for remaining in Jesus? Us. Who is responsible for having his word in us? Is it God? Is it, the, is it the pastor? It's us. In other words, the ball is in our court. What does God promise if we abide in Jesus and his word abide in us? We can ask for anything and he'll give it to us. We need to pray without doubt. Let's abide in Jesus and seek him and choose to walk as he, he leads. Let's have his word in us by daily reading, meditating, memorizing of the Bible. Put his word in us. Only you can do it for yourselves. Abiding in Jesus is also your choice. 
when, he, when you're in prayer and you have his word in you and he leads you, say yes to him. Then his promise is, we can ask anything and he'll grant it. His promise is, he will produce much fruit in our lives. This is how we walk in God, with God in the light. God is not a God of favorites. He will bless anyone who obeys him. Doesn't time go by quickly? Zoop, we're already in October. There's so much busyness and activity that the weeks just fly by. With time flying by so fast, I feel an urgency in my heart because the Lord has been repeating to me, I'm coming soon. Others in the prayer team are hearing it too. In fact, in May of this past year, I wrote in my journal that this is, I usually write down what, when I'm praying, I feel like I hear the Lord, then I'll write it down. And this is what I heard the Lord say, trust. Say to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea. Trust me, I'm coming soon. Trust me to be there soon. Rest assured. Be prepared. The time is coming soon. So I asked the Lord, how do I prepare? And he said, change into proper robes. I think what God means is that we clean up and prepare for his coming. Just like the passages I read. We turn from our evil ways, seek his face, choose to walk in the light with his word in us. Be ready to hear and obey as he leads. I think what the Lord wrote, um, spoke to me is for the whole church. Don't you think? It's not just for me, but it's for all of his church who's going to believe in him and follow him and be prepared for his coming. He's coming soon, so let's get ready. In 2 Peter 3, it talks about the coming of the Lord. Verses 3 to 15, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. You guys see that happening? They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Have you heard that? For a long time now, people are saying Jesus is coming again. And let's read further. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. So that means what? We're on the second day. We're on the third day coming, right? It's 2018. The Lord is, is, isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire, and the elements will melt away in the flames, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. I don't think he's talking about only the people who never prayed to receive him. There was a period of time when I was in great bitterness. 
I was a pastor's wife um, in a ministry, and I just had bitterness in my heart. I was weary and hurt by the people I loved and helped. I sought the Lord, and he told me that I was in a battle for my soul. I've come out of that time. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't come back then. He's waiting for us to repent of our evil ways. I would encourage you to humble yourself before God and return to him if you are caught in, inside in your heart, not walking in God's light. Leave the judgments of others in God's hand. Let go and forgive so you can be forgiven. Turn from our busyness and worldliness and turn to God. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness so we can walk with him and let him move through us to produce good fruit that remains. The power you have in your hand is your choice. I'd like to call up the worship team. Let's draw near to God in prayer, knowing he is the multidimensional, almighty creator God who loves you dearly. Nothing is hidden from his sight. He sees you clearly in the deepest part of your heart, and he still loves you and wants you to turn to him by the power of the blood of Jesus so that you can be blessed and receive all the good that he's prepared for you. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor mind can imagine all that God has prepared for those who love him. Let's pray. Repeat after me if this is the prayer of your heart. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus who died for me. Please forgive me of my sins and evil ways. Cleanse me and let me walk in the light with you. I choose to forgive all who hurt me, just as you have forgiven me. Bless them. Create in me a clean heart. Help me to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to obey you. Help me to love others as myself. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Teach me to abide in you and let your word abide in me. Let me bear fruit that remains. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear you. Let me have faith that can move mountains. I pray this in Jesus' name.